Hello, welcome to the Phantom Electric Dose podcast. See? Hello. Hi. Hey. So we are recording. This is the Phantom Electric Dose podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you are um, from East Africa, Uganda, right? Yes. Yes, I am. And you are uh, genre fluid, Afro pop, neo soul, R and B, reggae kind of mixture of uh, genres. That's that's your your style of music. Yes, it is. And so you, uh, I guess, it, you, I was reading your your bio, and you had started singing as a child, then you stopped, and then you picked it up again in 2019. So. When I asked the first question, I always ask is like, when did you first get into music? So, at what age did you actually start um, singing? Um, I started singing and songwriting at around ten years old. I used to do it for school plays, and we did a lot of theater and all those, those kinds of things. But once I entered high school, I kind of dropped it because it wasn't like a priority. And I picked it up again later on in university. So that's why there was a time gap. Yeah, so I seen, um, I was actually looking at your Spotify and your latest album, Passion, from 2020. So I was actually going to start with that record. But um, so, so, in, so when you got into 2019, I know you had some releases prior to Passion. Um, and I see that you had this song, I, I Can't Stick With, so is that, then that seemed to have, um, according to the, I, I saw that there was a lot of plays on that song. So was that like the first um, big return? Is that song or were there other songs yes. that were before that? That was actually my first single that the studio recorded single that I released. I'd never, I didn't have music before that, that song, especially. So that's the first one. Yes. So, so maybe I'll start with that one. How did that song come about? Honestly, it came about very spontaneously. Initially, I I was I had just started recording and I was getting the ropes of it all, and I had written a different song to kind of release first. But when I went to record it, I wasn't really feeling it, so mm-hmm. I kind of ended up feeling a type of way about the song that led me to search for more beats and stuff and I found this beat and literally in 30 minutes I was done with the song so I was like yeah definitely this this is the song I'm going to release because it, it came with ease came with more ease and yeah I, that's interesting because I'm you know I'm a producer singer songwriter myself and sometimes like the songs you plan out that you really labor yeah. on you know you're thinking it's great and then suddenly you get this really kind of flash in the pan idea just comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. And a lot of times, and you know, I've been recording for like 20 years, wow. the songs that I kind of come out of nowhere that I didn't really plan out yeah. tend to be better than the ones I planned out. Literally. That's, I don't know why it goes like that, but that's literally how it goes. And I do my best to, to kind of stay in that state every time I write. I try to stay kind of fluid and open about it so that whatever mm-hmm. comes through comes through organically and, you know, with ease and not too much planning meticulous yeah i mean i think a lot of times what's interesting what i've done is i just record a lot and then i go back and i pull things from other songs and bring them into other things i kind of create a library of my own 
Yeah, you create a library of your own reference points. And I think in your mind, as a musician, you've got all this stuff in your head. You've got your favorite artist. You know, you you might love Marvin Gaye. You might like Sade. You know, you've got these things in your head, right? And then suddenly something triggers, like a poetry line or something happens. And somehow in your mind, you pull that together. Definitely, definitely. There's so many times I tend to actually go and seek out other artists that probably I've never listened to or that I usually listen to and just try to to get some source of inspiration to listen to them and their melodies and how their execution and different different parts of the song to kind of you know get inspired to do that same kind of bring the same kind of element into mine so definitely I do that too yeah can I hear elements of like the Fugees really Uh, you know like Lauren Lauren Hill, I'm hearing some Macy Gray um, in, in, in the tone that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're just in the Sade, too, because I mean, I'm hearing the Neo Soul aspects. Wow. And I'm, is, I'm hearing some. <laughs> the thing about it is um, I, I don't even consciously do it. Like, I don't intend to, like, sound like certain artists. It's more or less just how. You're in the space. Exactly. Yeah. It's literally just how I end up interpreting it in my own way. That probably ends yeah, I don't think I don't think you're yeah, you're not cloning them. You're in the spirit. Yeah. You're like, like you know, because there's, there's like genres like blues guys, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I play blues or jazz, you play like Coltrane. Doesn't mean you're like copying Coltrane exactly. or Miles Davis, but you're kind of in the spirit yeah. of, of of bebop, or you're in the spirit of fusion. And there's a certain like parameter to that music. And it, you, you can be in that zone. So I, I kind of look at it that way. I, f- I feel that you're, you're in that zone. Um, and it's, it's, it's not that you're, it's really interesting how you interpret it. Yeah. And so you got your own, your own, every artist has their own spin on it, you know, of, their, of, of, a, of whatever genre they're in. Um, and I think that's really cool because that's how we all kind of feed on each other. Exactly. All the music energy. kind of comes Actually, from the same place. I'm a big energy person, like, <laughs> I like being around people that I could kind of feed off of, like in terms of they have just good energy, great vibes. That kind of gets me in a, in a, in a level, at a level that I don't know, I feel like creating more. I feel like more ideas are coming through. I get to kind of, and that's why I like collaborations because I feel like you get to mix with someone else's world and their own style and their own interpretation of, of expression. So it's like, it's really an experience. I like it. I love it so much. So do you, as a singer-songwriter, um, are you primarily, like, uh, focused, you know, on your vocals and the top line, or do you actually bring in, like, demos where you have, like, full songs you kind of worked out on your own? Or do you work with producers and kind of do the top line and, and the vocals as your primary? I was trying to determine. Like, like where are you in, in, in the mix? Do you actually play any instruments on or is your, is your voice your instrument? Uh, currently, my voice is my instrument. I have a keyboard, but I haven't really gotten the hang of it yet. Um, usually, actually, how I usually start, how I started initially was um, I would go on just online and literally look for, so I, I initially have to just listen to a beat, then write. I don't just write and then fit fit a beat in there. At least I haven't approached it like that yet. So it's like I usually mm-hmm. just listen to a beat. I try to put immerse myself in this beat and create melodies that vi- that flow with it. Sometimes I'll go against the grain, 
but in a way that is kind mm-hmm. of melodic to the beat still. So yeah. I, I try to be creative with that in that sense. But in terms of the producers, I do actually focus a lot on my the delivery too. Because so many times you can have the idea, but when it comes time to deliver it, it's, prob- it's probably not as what you pictured it to be or how you thought it would sound. And sometimes you have to kind of go over it again and go back to the drawing board and decide if that's you want to go through with it or polish it or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm, I'm in, the, in the world I'm in, I'm the, I'm the piano player, keyboard player. Nice. And so, like, I, I kind of come at it from the, the, you know, keyboard, synthesizer, bass, guitars. I'm more of a, you know, musician. I'm less of a vocalist. And I, I kind of do, I mean, I do my own vocals, but I'm not, I'm not primarily a vocalist. I happen to be an artist that can, I do sing my own work, but it's not my top yeah. talent. It's my other capabilities. And it's interesting when I deal, when I talk to, like, singer-songwriters or vocalists, you know, the voice is an instrument and, and, you know, you Marvin Gaye, you know, Michael Jackson, you know, Whitney Houston, all the great singers, you know, they, they might not have played instruments yeah. per se. Um, but, you know, Marvin Gaye actually did play drums, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's interesting, you know, that how, how singer songwriters or vocalists approach, you know, beats. And, you know, so when you work, do you primarily get like your, your uh, producers to send you like demos of, of beats and, and, and stru- song structures that you, or are you looking for them or you um, work usually, with them and then collaborate? Yeah. Um, usually I, with the instrument part of it, I feel like I, I definitely want to learn another instrument first. Like I feel like it would sort of elevate my vision and my creativity um, in terms of the beats, I, I, I've, I've actually just started doing demos now because I'm, I'm working on collaborations with producers. So it's like I have projects where it's like me and the producer, just like four different beats, four different songs type mm-hmm. approach. But usually I just think of an artist, like an artist that probably has melodic. I'm very heavy on melodies, actually. So I usually come up mm-hmm. with melodies quicker than words. So it's like I, I tend to lean on things, uh, melodies that make me feel something, melodies that kind of spark something in me. And I think of artists that have had songs that have done that with such melodies. So I type in the artist, so I'll probably be like, let's say, Genet type beat or um, Summer Walker type beat. It's like different artists and you, you end up with this array of like um, beats from all kinds of producers and you just figure out which one, you know, I figure out which one kind yeah, of speaks yeah. to me. And if none does, then I'll really just, I don't force it either. So it's like, I'm just curious to see what's there. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a different a different approach. It's like, yeah, I can see like, as you go, go further, you know, being able to, you know, if you get a MIDI keyboard and you get like a, a digital audio workstation, when I'd ask you about that, because that's what, when you, as a singer, songwriters, or a lot of independent musicians, then you can kind of, become more of a control exactly. over over exactly. your vision yeah because like then you can like you can do, do the drums you can do the bass you can do all the keyboards you can just put them on the grid and then you have a really good you might not be the you know have the best arrangement but at least you've got like your ideas sketched exactly. out and, and 
And then you can there refine it with a producer because say, well, I could bring in some yeah. really good string players or I could bring a good bass player and it could really, you know, liven up that bass line. But they can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, and, I usually and so that kind of gives it. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, Go saying, ahead. I usually like want the producer to have as little work as possible, if that makes sense. I tend mm-hmm. to want to have to like, create like at least 80% of the story before the producer becomes involved. So that I feel like I kind of put it on me to make the song. Yeah up to par regardless of whether how good the producer is because like right now i'm in a town where there's so many self-made um people like self-made producers people that have learned things mm. on their own self-taught sorry so it's like um everyone has a different quality of, of sound and different approach so it's like it reached a point where i had to make sure that regardless of the producer i pick i've sort of brought this song to life up to this point where like even the worst person would not mess it up like yeah yeah because sometimes like a producer tends to have a certain style and and some artists you know what i've seen is like some artists that don't have a very good vision for what they want will allow that producer to kind of put it into that framework and then it sometimes radically changes their original thought and 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 sometimes this bold with this person producer has a big name or they've been hitting on the playlist, people are willing to kind of well, I'll kind of push my ideas down. And then but a lot of times we're like a lot of times independent musicians nowadays like people want their vision. Exactly. Right. You you want your vision. So you don't necessarily want some just because the guy's got like a bunch of top playlist hits doesn't mean I want to put my song into that style. I still want to maintain my own style. That you understand that. So I see what yeah. you're saying. Literally. Yeah, you can get caught up in that, especially if you start, you know, you have agents and, you know, record companies. If you start yeah, so doing well, like, yeah. then then suddenly they put you on that train. It's hard to get yes, off. Yes, <laughs> I remember when I, go, when I went back home, actually, because I, I kind of like discovered this whole different. Back, back home, I'm, I probably don't sound like the artists there so it's kind of more of a uh, i know a contemporary sound it's like an alternative sound for back for back home so it's like mm-hmm. they didn't kind of receive it as they re- they love the music but they kind of it's within i don't know how to explain it but they just they weren't they didn't embrace yeah, yeah. It the way they would embrace like the local artists there right so i found them kind of trying yeah. to mold me into that like they were like oh maybe if you sound yeah, yeah. a bit more you know, like this, or if you kind of bring this language into here. And I get that people do have to connect and um, relate to your music, but I just don't believe that you need to change someone's creativity in order for that to happen. Like, Yeah, because, I mean, you might have a wider audience where you're hitting, like, the European exactly. market, you're hitting the American market, you're hitting the Asian market. And so if you just narrow it to your local market, like, like, I just narrow to New York yeah. City, right? I'm in the Northeast US, US market, right? There's a whole different vibe in LA. You know, there's a whole different vibe in Nashville. You know, it is a whole different vibe in Louisiana. So if you just build your song to be like, oh, it's a New York kind of vibe. Well, then New York's a big place. You could do really well, but you might not be well, you know, have it spread out. So sometimes it's better to have, you know, not as much uh, a local you know, wow, tent yeah. to it 
because it's yeah. more because then you have a wider reach, you know, sometimes. What they mistake it for is that I'm open to trying all these different kinds of styles. That's the thing I also like about the way I approach it. I'm not rigid to feel, to be like, okay, I can't change this and I can't speak like this. It's just, I'm open to it, but that's not going to be my standard. Like it's, it's going to be like, I'll do a song for my people. I'll do a song for people that, you know, want this type, want to hear this from me, but then I'll also keep on doing like things that I genuinely want to, you know, be part of. And because at the end of the day, I want to be able to share my music with my people and with everyone involved. So it's like, I do listen to things like mm-hmm. that, but not to the extent the extent that it changes my entire style. Just to the extent that okay, let me do a song or two that I know these people will, it will highly resonate with them. So that's kind of just how I approach that type yeah. of project. Yeah, that's that's kind of a a feel like I'm I'm you know as a synthesis I'm I'm big into like the Berlin sound that kind of came out of Kraftwerk and what Bowie did and Brian Eno is producer so. There's a lot of aspects of what I do that has kind of this kind of Bowie-esque, Brian Eno, you know, craft work sound. It's kind of like new wave. That, that what, so there's a certain new wave sound that kind of comes out of Europe. Um, you know, it's German, it's English, it's got this kind of thing. But then I got elements that come out of like Parliament Funkadelic and James Brown, which, you know, you kind of merge that soul and funk with the electro you know, pop, you can get a sense. And so if, if you take this, you can, yeah, I think a lot of people today, like you're, you're saying you're kind of genre bending, that's kind of where things are. Like we, where a lot of acts today are mixing hip hop and jazz exactly. and, and rock and fusion. And, yeah. 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 So I get that. Cause like, I, I actually do like that. I am creating something people are not used to hearing or that people are trying to understand and relate to. Because I do like new things. I like creativity. And to know that, okay, someone can say, you know, there's no song that I've genuinely enjoyed like this song. It, it makes me feel better. Like, it, make, it gives me more inspiration to keep on keeping on, you know? So I feel like yeah, yeah. it is important to create new things. And people find it hard to be different so much. Like, I feel like so many people want to blend in and just okay this person did it so if i do it the exact same way and do this exact like this i'll reach where they are and it's like you have to remember this person probably didn't know what they were doing when they did it and it was probably new when they did it so it's like a whole different you can't rely on someone else's sound or story to kind of put you where they're at yeah they had a level of authenticity that they had to add to that which you're not bringing so it's like definitely that's just how i do it (laughs) Well, I think if you look at music history, you look at like the big innovators, like like Stevie Wonder, you know, Stevie Wonder with like, you know, songs in the key of life, he was going kind of against what Motown normally did. You know, he created these big, vast, progressive, um, you know, fusion and rock and and all these different elements that, you know, the Temptations and the Four Tops weren't going that way. And he was doing something totally different, but he was, you know, such a great creator that they trusted him because he's kind of like that story with Prince. I mean, Prince at 17 years old was allowed to be his own producer just because he was so dynamic and he just had a vision. And I think like if an artist comes in with that kind of clarity in their vision, it's hard to kind of stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So I think it's like you have, it's kind of like a certain level of self-confidence and some people sometimes look at yeah. arrogance, but sometimes like if you know what you want, you and know I what really, you want. I really admire you know? people like that because it makes things easier. It makes it easier to to mold whatever it is you're doing because you have that intent, you have the intention, you know what it is you're going for compared to just um, freestyling it. I mean, definitely there are times I kind of try to balance both. I try to be very confident in my sound, but then I also try to enter like um, genres that I'm not comfortable with because it puts me in that space where it's like, okay, what can I do with this? Yeah. And it kind of opens up my mind. So I feel like, I don't know, definitely, fuck, I've lost my train of thought. But, yeah. No, but I see what you're saying. Like, if you collaborate with somebody and you go into something, like, well, maybe you didn't, you didn't really know how to exactly. do funk that well, right? Or, or you, you don't have disco yeah. totally down, right? Uh, and so if you want to go back and do like a mm-hmm. Bee Gees like song, you kind of got to pick mm-hmm. up that vibe to be able to, to be like in the yeah. BJ space or to be in like a James Brown or Sly mm-hmm. Stone space. You got to have a certain yeah. kind of feel or it won't exactly. sound authentic. And so then if you're an artist, you can kind of push yourself. It's like, I have never really done funk, but I love funk and I'm going to go kind of find somebody that can do it and yeah. learn, you know. And that, that's, that's kind of cool when you do, when you push yourself. Because literally I have like me and some, a group of friends, we created this sort of like band. I don't say band cause it's like not instruments, but like just a group. And like we do nineties type music. Cause like we noticed fundamentally where we, our, our sound is nineties. Like it has that nineties groove to it. And we really wanted to enter like yeah. all these kind because what happened is we'd always link up and would all just would freestyle all the time. So we'd play beats and they ended up being like nineties type beats and they would keep playing on like mm-hmm. shuffle and we ended up with all this whole bunch of songs. Some were funk, some were like it's literally from different not even just nineties. It was just like different eras, like from back then and yeah somehow it just made it added up and we're just like yo we need to like make this a thing and so we're trying to work on that too like i have that space to be in that type of like mode and fully express myself in that version you know in that side of things as compared well it's to, good like, to be in a collective music. sorry yeah it's good to be in a collective like group yeah. of musicians i think it's it's really you know could collaboration and being in groups where there's exactly. multiple and it, Artists, was mostly, you know, and it was mostly you kinda, like an experimental space for all of us because it was like, okay, right now, we obviously, none of us are 90s. Sing- like, we're not experts at what we're doing at this point. So, like, we're just upcoming, up and coming and it's all, we're independent. We're trying to discover our sounds. So, it's like we needed to create this space amongst ourselves to kind of just be comfortable experimenting, pushing bounds, like going to genres that we probably think, damn, that, that's kind of not in my let's say generational generation like my generation probably doesn't listen to this type of music or that type of sound but like just based on our own curiosity we're like wait what can we do with this and that's kind of how that rolls and i also have spaces where it's just complete afrobeats like just literally vibes Mm -hmm. on vibes with afrobeats and everyone just like people from nigeria and ghana different places of from Africa, just like literally freestyling and trying to, so it's like I try to just create all these different spaces where I can adventure into different genres, 
and that's why it's hard for me to to kind of categorize you... myself <laughs> at this point because it's like I don't know where. Yeah, well, you're in a, you're totally in the space. Like you know, as an African American, like we're in within the U.S. Like you know, African Americans, we've been responsible within the U.S. for like multiple genres, from the blues, jazz, rock, hip hop, rap. But we we all know it comes yeah. from Africa, you know. When I'm talking to an African artist, and it's like a lot of African Americans, we don't have that Afro beat down, you know, because we have what we've interpreted and then turned into what we feel it is, but we were never there, right? We so we have this kind of kind of feel for Africa, but we were never in Africa directly, but we have this feeling, and then we create this music. But it's interesting, like you're coming from the actual space, so. It's a totally different sound. Um, and that's really cool that like a lot of, you know, African-American artists try to get into the African rhythms and, you know, bring that into their music. But you're in a space where you actually have people that have that is, if I'm to be capability. Really with you, like, that, that took a bit more work than you see R&B and all this because my core sound is R&B and soul. So it's like I lean, I, mostly, I, I want to say it's because of my mom's influence, like the music she used to play and everything. So I just leaned more towards like, you know, Shade and all these types of artists. But once I heard Afrobeats, mm-hmm. I was just like, yo, I need to be a part of this. Like, I feel like this is just, like, it's just melodies with mixed with, it's just a whole a beautiful mess. And I'm just like, yeah. how do, you know, I had to be a bit more intentional while I was approaching it. And I knew I had to surround myself with people that, were comfortable in it to kind of again feed off that energy and like oh okay I, now I understand how like you're just free flowing with melodies and kind of seeing what matches and just learning learning the process of writing Afrobeats like especially even the writing process it's different for them most of them freestyle actually um, because it's like yeah. in the moment it's like what you're feeling how you want like what you're thinking about what the beat makes you feel. Yeah. Yeah, it's like jazz. It's like you it's don't like really fusion. need to put too many yeah. words. Like you don't need to you don't need it to be a whole story or just or like a whole interview. It's literally just vibes. Like so I had to understand that being yeah. a storyteller because usually when I write, I write to tell some type of story. Like I want you to understand where I'm coming from, like where it's going, like more or less. But like with Afrobeats, there's literally no like almost direction with it. It's just yeah. you know excitement yeah and... well that's like what happened like if you look at early reggae before you have Pierre Tosh and Bob Marley really didn't have the storytelling yeah. that they brought to it so they brought to it this idea to kind of take like Beatles mm-hmm. song structure and then put it into reggae which was not really right. doing that and then Peter Tosh and Bob Marley brought that to it and then you know opened it even wider and then you see, like in America, you get you know like Peter Gabriel, and uh, and you know you get like uh, uh, like you know, with Graceland, Paul Simon, you know picking up mm-hmm. South African beats mm-hmm. and bringing them into like rock music mm-hmm. and expanding rock to have world beats and African rhythms. Um, but it, again, it's got the storytelling brought in where typically that music maybe didn't have exactly. as much of That's that, actually... and the merging of it. Changed that's actually changed how it, I think know. I also stayed authentic to myself because if you're to if you're to listen to fashion, I'm still storytelling. Like I'm still doing that aspect. I probably kind of reduced yeah, all it stories. I wasn't so intense with the words and everything, but I still told the story 
and I and I feel like that was just my interpretation of Afrobeats. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't try to become mm-hmm. someone. Like, yeah. I didn't try to become Nigerian overnight. Like it wasn't something that I, I was trying to imitate. It was just something I was trying to translate and interpret in my own expression. So it's like I still story tell, but it's like I do do it to a minimal because I am aware that it's just for like this is a, supposed to be a fun song vibes. Like no one is really hooked on the lyrics word for word so yeah that's just mm-hmm. but i like i like another oh, kind i like the that's song another kind a lot on passion yeah because that's kind of like it's like it's got yeah. that singer songwriter structure you know but then it's got you know and so i'm always been a big fan of uh yeah. female singer songwriters you know going going back to the 70s um, and uh, you know, listen to like Carol King, listen to the Carpenters, and you know, listen to song structures that actually have stories. The thing about those sto- those songs back then is they actually are these these kind of heart stories, you know. Um, and it's always been, you know, the female perspective in songwriting is different than when you listen to like a Bruce Springsteen or Bob Marley yeah. or a Bob Dylan. It's interesting to get that female perspective yeah. in music. It's different. It's not, you know, you. So it's it's always like as as I end up interviewing a lot of female artists in the last two years because they, you know I, I think there's a big canon of male artists and a lot of a lot of women artists have not been you know interviewed as much as they should so I That's tend to en- interview more female singers. That's really dope. Actually, like I've like you said, I feel like I've interacted with mostly guys actually within the music industry i feel like it's mostly males around there are times where i'll be the only female like in the studio or just in yeah. in settings that are like oh artists are here singer songwriters are here and i don't know if that's because girls mm-hmm. are i don't know how people approach it but i'm most of my friends are boys so it was easy to kind of it, like work in such an environment like it was in the world because already like my life was kind of like that but i noticed obviously some girl, girls kind of they're more conserved i don't know what it i don't know if it's conserved is a word but like they kind of don't know how to be themselves with all these males here like it, it's kind of like i don't oh. know if it's intimidating but you kind of just gotta be like but <laughs> yeah I think the male, yeah, I think men within the music industry have always kind of put this kind of wall up that they're like, you know, everybody talks about Hendrix. They talk about, you know, they always talk about all these men. You hear about like the Beatles and Hendrix and Bob Marley. It's it's all men, you know. Then once in a while you'll hear about Ella Fitzgerald or you'll hear, you know, you'll you'll hear about, you know, uh, the the Supremes. You know, you'll get here and there you get these, you know, major female artists that you know billy holiday billy holiday i mean billy holiday is like, like just as vital as yeah. any of the jazz musicians you know like davis and everybody else but people will tend to talk about coltrane before they talk about billy holiday even though billy holiday is in the same zone you know it's the same level um and i just think a lot of women get intimidated sometimes mm-hmm. in in the music space because exactly. there's so many men running literally, everything there's just you know? the producer is a man the like literally everyone involved is just male so it's like i i remember intentionally seeking out like a female like as in i want to work with a female artist and there was a female artist in in a town in a different town from mine and we met up and i remember like 
we didn't even honestly it was so refreshing because we didn't even like meticulously plan it we're just like okay let's meet play something and see if anything clicks like it was really just open-minded no one was trying to control the situation because again i realized that i'd never worked with females it was kind of like i didn't know what to expect you know because like i just knew how guys did it i just i didn't mm-hmm. know how females like, it was it was bizarre that i was in that position to begin with so i was like okay let's see how this goes and <laughs> it was really really refreshing because yeah, like we were literally we were in sync in in even like songwriting we were sort of in the same depth we're really all in depth with like what the topic was what the subject if anything the oh, story, it became this whole story of like this whole intricate story and it's it just it was just something beautiful because i was just like damn like i've never really like related to someone like that in that sense lyrically and just even when i write songs because i when i write with guys it's kind of different it's kind of more I know where I'm coming from. He knows where he's coming from. You know what I mean? It's kind of not, it's not yeah, connected yeah. sometimes. It's it, just like, it's, at least yeah. we can both tell the story well enough for people to enjoy the song. But with the female, it was more like we were coming from the exact same place. Like, we literally put ourselves in this scenario and it was just, it just literally unfolded effortlessly. So, I definitely know female female singer songwriters. They're just they're dope. I should literally seek out more. There should be more. I don't know why. That's awesome. What? Well, I think in America, you actually there's a big movement, at least in the hip hop community, where a lot of female DJs and yeah, they're they're yeah Yeah. they're kind of running the show now. More they're more interesting and more vital artists are female in the hip hop rap community in the U.S. right now. Um, and even in soul music, there's more female artists that are actually doing things yeah. that are more innovative than the guys. Um, and so it's just interesting to me. It's kind of like, like if I, since I'm a musician, right, I play Moogs and keyboards and Hammond organs. And so if I, you know, if I get with a guy that's like a DJ, I don't really have that much in common <laughs> with a DJ. <laughs> but but if I if I but if I like hang with the guy yeah. like a bass player or a drummer or a keyboard player, right, yeah. and if they're African American versus being you know what if i go and jam with like an african-american band exactly. i don't gotta tell them what key i'm in i just start i just start playing and they know they know what it is right if i play with some <laughs> other guys <laughs> they, exactly. they start asking me what key i'm in i'm like you you you, you can't pick it up <laughs> you know what i mean so it just it, 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 right away if i'm with like a black jazz drummer he just yeah. he's like right on it you know he's like this a bass player he just picks it up i start playing chords boom it's like a that exactly. that's such a really comfortable, so comfortable inspirational situation because you're with people that you're in sync with so i kind of understand when you're with the female singer songwriters you're kind of in the same zone you know it's always really in, help it's helpful when you run into like soul exactly. like-minded souls when you're creative then you can really you know i think that's like what happens when you get like a band like exactly. the beatles they all kind of click you know, so it worked, and you know, and the, right. the whalers they, they all clicked, you know. So then, when you've got a unit that clicks, then you're going to create really good work. So, so like because of the lockdown, because of COVID, are you kind of stuck, not able to do live performances? Are you just doing stuff like recording and doing YouTube videos, and or, or are you um, trying to do live streaming? Definitely. 
performing or any of that. Initially, I wasn't, I think I just started performing when this COVID thing actually happened. Like, I won't say just, but I was just, I was still in the beginning phase of like getting comfortable performing and stuff and stuff. So it's like, when it, it, shows, happened, yes. it wasn't like a huge, like, big hit like some acts that were that, that depend on it they were kind of they kind of really hit hard but like acts that were just starting with video or or just starting to get on playlists they're not as affected as exactly. artists that kind of make their money from so doing like, gigs it wasn't really that much of a drastic change for me but it's like it did slow down things i i ended up in spaces where like i just mentally wasn't present musically like as in even creatively like I just had, mm-hmm. I had blocks I had several blocks like creative blocks and just random I don't know like COVID really did a lot like quarantine the whole quarantine thing kind of did a lot to, for so many people and I, so many people would think okay you have more time to create and more time to right but it's weird because you end up in this random space that you just don't feel Exactly. Yeah, we don't have a lot of interaction. Yeah, no interaction. I mean, songwriters depend exactly. on like your life story. I mean, most songs are writ- are written because you're out interacting exactly. with people and you write about it. So if you get if you get stuck, unless you took a journal before we got locked down and went back to your diary or something, you might not have Especially as much you to write about. Into, like, a routine. <laughs> like literally every day is the same like you lose track of what day it is it's literally all every day is every day so yeah it's not the best inspiration days it's just and on top of it i'm doing my master's right now in public health oh yes it may focus on that more if i'm not doing music i'm doing school and then after school i'm just like okay let me just do netflix now it's just it's almost just like just this space that is not productive as productive as it should be but i do call myself out on on moments like mm-hmm. that and try to like get that spark again and realize that okay sometimes it's not about like you have to be able to push through and just don't you know throw your heart down type situation so it's like i do have to keep on picking myself up now and then with some yeah so like, now i'm doing videos because i was like damn I, I i came to a realization i didn't have visuals I'm like, I think, I think this should be exactly. Yeah, their visuals are so important. Yeah. Focus, like just getting my face out there, my vibe. Like, because some people already know my voice, but it's, they don't know who they're like listening to. They don't know what my energy is like. They don't know. So all these things. And I was just like, let me try and portray that. Yeah. I even have another video coming out very soon. I'm just off the same project. So it's like, I'm just trying to get like a consistent like array of visuals for this project so that it doesn't really just pass me by because so many people really loved it and i was just like i might as well you do this you know it's it, it, it would be counteractive to just move on because i really wanted to have like other music out like okay next you know what i mean like what's next let's do something but it's mm-hmm. i got to realize that sometimes you have to let things marinate and just like you know Oh yeah, sometimes it's good to go yeah. and keep on working on the same project by adding yeah. adding visuals to it. You know, going and doing videos. Like you know, as a musician, like I'm working on my next record, 
exactly. as soon as I'm done with that, I'm working on the next way. But sometimes you gotta, you gotta <laughs> stop. <laughs> and then, but then you gotta stop, and you gotta say, exactly. "Well, you know what? I actually probably should promote the current record before I start well, writing I had the next to learn one." The hardest, because, like, my promotion <laughs> would go for like two weeks only. And after like the first two weeks, I'm really like done with that. I'm like, okay, I feel like everyone knows what the what's next. Yeah, yeah you know, to the next <laughs> thing. Now I'm just understanding because even with the visual, with this uh, video I released recently, emotion. Um, there are people that think it's my first song ever. Like people, literally, and I'm here thinking, yeah, and they never seen one before, right? Because like, I keep, I've been getting feedback. And I'm thinking, yeah, obviously everyone is well versed with what's going on, but then you find people that had no idea, like completely no idea what you were doing, especially like people back home and even just in the diaspora. Like it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, there's this Ugandan doing this and this. Oh, there's this. You know what I mean? So it, the word actually spreads faster when there's visuals for yeah. some reason. I did. I didn't even. I don't know why I was naive to that, yeah. but yeah. it showed me that. Because, you know, I, it's more of like, I'm on a trial error basis with this music thing. <laughs> so it's like, I literally try, if it works, I pay attention to how it works and why it works. So I realized that visuals really get more. Well, there's a lot of bands, yeah. they, they start on YouTube, you know, they start on Instagram uh, before they even get on Spotify, you know, and they, they launch onto the music platforms after yeah. they started with like video um and so then visuals are so important to get your stuff on tiktok to get on instagram to get that youtube video because that's kind of like the big radio play it's like the mtv of this era is to to get yourself on an instagram reel or a tiktok you know clip that's how you go viral that's how you get the buzz that's how you'll get you know a booking agent to say hey I'll book you to the Viper Room. You know, I can get you in the CBGBs because now you've got a fan base. Actually, people um, internationally. So it's always kind of like, yeah. Like, <laughs> up more after the visual. Like, especially from the U.S., which was peculiar. I was like, damn, yeah. I didn't know I could, like, really pull in people from there because that wasn't my initial target market. So I'm like, immediately the visuals came out. I started receiving a lot of... Um, feedback on this video and they're like what we didn't know can we talk to you can we find out so like everyone just brought intrigue you know and i was like oh this is good like i really didn't i thought just music was enough i really thought if it's a good song it will spread itself like it will just it will spread like a wildfire in its own yeah there's some bands that yeah they're not into visuals and they kind of focus on the music but the way the world is today you kind of have to have that visual impact um You know, because, like you know, even the Beatles, I mean, the Beatles, it was the movies, you know, it was the movies like Help and the Yellow Summer. It was the movies that actually triggered like the Beatlemania um, because it was a visual of the band and then fans connected with those visuals. And then, you know, then they actually connected more to the music, but they were like the first kind of video band. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that idea I still notice, works. I think people feel you know? like they, they get a sense of you or like, of it's it, it it's translates more it trans i feel like it just speaks to people better to see you and see how how you're singing and how you are and your demeanor and all these things because they'll feel they'll relate more to the song they'll add more emotion to the song and more 
attachment to it compared to if they just heard it in passing, like on the radio or whatever. So it's like, uh, I understand that now. And I'm trying to work on that, actually. And also just collaborating with different people. Like, I've, I've really done my best to collaborate with different photographers. Like, if you check my Instagram, I have this uh, collaboration I just did recently with a photographer here. Yeah. That was like a magazine series. And just like, the concept was just more or less putting, letting people know how I think and process and just deal, you know? So it, it kind of ended up bringing that aspect. So I just want... Well, I think it's real important. Be a, just, it doesn't necessarily have to just be, but also visual, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Yeah, your Instagram is like really stunning. I, I like I like a lot of the photography you've been putting up. It's really good. And it, it's a lot... It's a lot of what you have to do, you know. I, I initially had just been a SoundCloud artist, and I didn't even—I never—I I just did the instrumentals, and then suddenly I started introducing vocals. And as soon as I put vocals, it went from like wow. twelve hundred people to like ninety thousand people, and because people don't listen to instrumentals at the level that they listen to stuff with vocals on it. And then I started doing videos, and I started, you know creating an image where I, I wear like a costume with like a phantom mask and all this like an EDM kind of thing where it's like this kind of dead mouse yeah. kind of thing where I'm wearing like a ghost costume and it's like LED. As soon as I introduced the costume, then suddenly, <laughs> wow. you know, I got the podcast. <laughs> so you say so you, so you things like different visual le- levels of me putting Part more of, visuals into it yeah. got me bigger base of fans, you know, a bigger base of being able to get to people from my visuals more than the music and it was interesting it's like okay like when you do this stuff that actually mm-hmm. you know goes in and pushes the band you know the band is the big thing i want to push but the, you know the podcast is another way to do it and you know the the visuals are another way to do it but yeah in this world today musicians you know touch to the other question because streaming services you know i found you because you're on a streaming service i found you because you're on the internet on instagram but the other part of that is, you know, we don't, as artists, you know, get compensated at the level artists used to. So what are your kind of feelings about the kind of two sides of the fact that the streaming services allow you to kind of get out there, but then, you know, you have to find other ways to actually get income as an artist. (laughs) It's, it's a type of compromise almost. I feel like, you you can't have the best of both worlds all the time, you know? And I feel like you just, as for, as long as it puts you where you need to be, the rest should be up to you mm-hmm. or your team or the, you know what I mean? Like just your, your it should be on your shoulders. Obviously, yeah. like in terms of the pay, I would, I would prefer if it was better <laughs> per play, like in terms of the streaming, but like yeah. it really is what it is, you know? <laughs> yeah (laughs) take things as they are and not really focus on on like what it could be or what you know what i mean like i just kind of work with what i'm given and i feel like just having my my music on to say that my music is on spotify it's on apple music it's like on all these platforms like to me that's that's a good compromise i'm just like it's really across the board like you can people can shazam my songs they'll get straight to the song like things like that my lyrics are just uploaded in, on apple music as the song plays just conveniences like that make it i don't know it, 
Yeah. I mean, it's what the record label used to say, you know, you know, they used to have an A&R person, they give you an advance and then you have to wait to get your money back, you know? So, I mean, the old world was, if they gave you an advance, if your next record didn't make enough money, you owed that money. <laughs> you know, that, that was the old, that was the old world. So suddenly you think you're doing good they give you mm-hmm. like a, a small band might get like a hundred thousand, but if their next record doesn't make the money, they owe the record company like 50,000, <laughs> you know? And so, so that's the world that it was. And so, okay. Yeah. They gave you a tour manager. They gave you a van and they gave you a bus, you know, they, they put a video on MTV, wow. but suddenly they gave you a bill if you didn't make the money back. Exactly. And so now we're kind of more in and charge honestly, of our career, honestly, you I know, do. so we don't I, end up. I, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm scared of like, I don't say I'm scared, but I'm very cautious about record labels. I, I don't know how I feel about it yet, to yeah. be honest, but I just feel like at least, yeah, but at smart least to we be. have like more control. <laughs> like I have, regardless, with or without it, I will still make a level of progress. Like I feel like it's, it's my future is not in your hands, in their hands, in that sense. But if I do decide to go along with them, then obviously they can advance me qu- at a quicker rate. Like if there's at a sh- in a shorter t- amount of time than I would have done it if I was alone. But I don't know all these strings attached. Like I don't know how I feel about all that. Like there's usually so many strings attached. Yeah, the problem with the companies that they're kind of like looking for the next exactly. big thing, and then after and a while they disengage. To like, you know that's. That's the problem because you know what, and you're just here just <laughs> trying to make money and make sense, and it's just it's just too much pressure. I feel like. Well, what I've seen with the, a lot of people, a lot of bands I deal with have gone indie because the problem with the record companies, like they'll be big on your first record trying to get that single, but okay. if they they don't feel that you're really hitting it. They totally disengage, and then then the the legal hassle that becomes part of that situation can exactly. keep make you not be an artist anymore because because suddenly you could owe them money they could tie you up with lawyers and then if you were totally indie you could just could have just kept on going but if you get in the situation with them they could actually make it so you get so disenchanted and so tied up that you can't even do anything um and so a lot of artists i've talked to in the last three years i've said you know it's better for me to be indie because then i can just keep on doing the work i want to do So it's kind of like it's like you get the freedom to do what you want to do, put out what you want, when you want, make arrangements to if you want to do sync licensing, you know, with somebody you want to collab with somebody, you don't got to ask your manager, you don't have to ask the label, say, oh, you know, we're not, you can't work with that person because they're on this label, you know, you know, and yeah. You, you can do whatever you want, that comes, <laughs> you know, that comes with a to, price unless they're restricted, unless they're restricted. Comes with a whole lot of responsibility. Yeah. And I was, I, I feel like I was kind of. Yeah, you got to manage um, yourself better. Like, that too, because like I said, initially this started as like a hobby. Like it wasn't something that I intended to get serious about at any point. Like I was open-minded, but I wasn't, that wasn't my intention because. I was just like, oh, okay, I can sing, I can write, you know, let me see what I can come up with. And after recording a few jams, it's, it started building this sort of demand, like, oh, where is more music, this, that, this, that. So initially, I was kind of pushed into, like, making it serious. 
at some point because I was like, okay, if I'm not taking this serious right now, mm. then this is not going to be a priority. And the demand is just going to stay there and like it's just going to be a, a mess. So I was like, you know what, let me just stay committed to this and see it through. And once I took that on, I realized there was a whole lot I had to learn. There's a, like, especially the fact that I'm still a student and this is a student town. There is almost there's very little resources like it's not it's not like a a major city you know what i mean it's it's not budapest because budapest is the capital city yeah so yeah it's, like, it's not like it's la or new york like a uni town and there's also people like there's retirement homes and you know what i mean like that's really the environment so exactly yeah you're not you're not in like music city like if you were like in like los exactly. angeles or you're in new york city yeah, you know, that everywhere there's tons of places to play. There's tons of producers. There's the music press. Exactly. You know, there there are bloggers. Like if you show up in a club in New York, the bloggers, you know, the New York Times, the Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone Magazine, they got reporters hitting those clubs every night. There, yeah. So if you play, exactly. it's boom, but you're gonna get the press. Like you literally you know? have to start from scratch. You have to realize, okay, you have to pay attention to who who who's paying attention to you. You have to be to market your shit. You have to promote. You have to like be very intentional. Like you have to be very strict. I didn't even know it took so much strategy. And like I'm not necessarily business minded like in that aspect. So that's kind of where I ended up lacking a little bit because mm-hmm. I was I'm not I'm just artistic. I'm just here like for vibes. You know what I mean? I never really think of the business side of things. That okay, this yeah, yeah. Time, it is this much money and this this that. So I ended up having to like reach out to different people in my life. Like you see now my mom is my manager because like she's very good at, at handling money and things like that. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, how about you take care of that and that side of things and I just be me. But even with then I still had more responsibility, like social media stuff, you know, I wasn't very I was I'm not really crazy about social media. But it's like I had to become. I had to really become like. <laughs> and even now, I'm. Still yeah, you have to. You have to do more. Yeah, you have to do more than what you. That the other, and I'm just not used to like just being heavily involved, like having other people like, like really pouring myself into social media like that. So it's like literally, I'm responsible for a whole lot, and as it goes, I learn how to, to handle things, and definitely, I have like a small team now. But even then, like, it's literally a learning experience. I know I still have really, I have to read a lot. I have to research a lot about everything that goes on behind the scenes. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be caught off guard at any point. Like, so many people have approached me. I've already reached a signed contract based on, like, random things relating to my songs being used and stuff like that. So it's like, just even being aware that I need a legal team, I need lawyer like all these things like damn it was just it was a bit overwhelming yeah. in the beginning but now it's kind of it's sort of like taking its own pace and i'm understanding it as i go so i'm just i'm not even like in a rush i'm genuinely here to understand my journey and like see where it takes me but i think it's a, i think it's a good place to be as an artist like they you yeah. the primary thing is that you love the love the art you know and then when you love the art the other stuff starts happening and then you can kind of incrementally build your team and build your understanding it's just 
the history of the music industry is kind of fraught with like really big artists getting kind of taken advantage of. <laughs> you know, they, if you look at big, big, like the Beatles, they had one of the worst royalty rates ever. They were hardly getting any money, but they sold so much that they didn't realize how much they weren't getting. <laughs> they were so big, but they were getting like pennies, you know, on, on the record, but they were still coming in with tons of money, but they weren't getting what people get today. They were getting like you know 70% less than what you thought they would have been getting. But they made so much money, it didn't seem like they weren't making money. I mean, and an artist like Hendrix, he was hardly getting any money from his record sales he was getting it from his tour you get like hundreds of thousands of dollars for his his live performances but hardly any money and there was like millions of dollars that were being like stolen from him by his management and so i've I've kind of read the history of like rock and roll is full of you know all these artists from motown to jazz artists are like all getting ripped off (laughs) and a couple of artists that i was so surprised that like how did that happen to this artist? They were huge. Like, there's there's a lot that just happens behind the scenes that even yeah. they probably were blind to until the last minute. And it was just, and you know what I mean? Well, we a lot of times musicians, we just want to play. You know, a lot of. And sometimes it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't read the first contracts, and then I didn't, I found oh, out that so that suddenly they're taking seventy percent of the money, and they're gonna keep it for like a hundred years, and I can't get it back. And it's like this stuff that people didn't realize, because you I, know, some artists were like, okay, I'll sign this so I can play. You know, I'll sign this so I. Honestly, the fact that there's people that are just ready to sort of like do that to you like to your art to yeah what do that to you like, yeah you would think yeah you would think that it could have been something it could have been something and it could still be further like why would you have to do me like that like it's wild well they just want to take they, they, they take the effort your that you work. do and they try yeah. to take the majority of your of what you did of your work you and know take what it. I mean? and they're like, like okay well, what did you bring to the table <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know because like if you oh if you're not really bringing it to the table like why am i paying you <laughs> you know yeah can i mean yeah a lot of what i look at like you know i i look at distribution contracts and then i look at uh-huh. you know sync licensing and then i look at like booking agents and pr people right so like if i'm gonna exactly. put my money into something i'm gonna put my into a proven pr person a proven booking agent yeah. that can actually get me to show and make sure that they're not, yeah, they're not ripping me off. Like if I go to New York and I do a 400 seat club that they don't try to pay me for 200 seats, you know, cause that's the kind of thing that the industry does. You know, when I first started playing, I went to a show and um, I actually was smart enough to have my wow. roadie count the number of people coming in. And then they, they came and told me there were only 200 people the only one to pay me for 200 <laughs> tickets when well, I wrote it counted like 404. And so it's like, you know, exactly. but that's the kind of thing you have to be aware of because they'll try to do it. They'll try to do it. And that's, that's what's sad. It's like, why are you going to do me like that? Me you so can't be paranoid, honest. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm literally paranoid before I even step into anything. That's why I keep saying I'm taking my time because I feel like if I was rushing, I just, I would make so many blind mistakes. Like, yeah. I, 
Yeah, you just have to be really careful because there, there are people out there that will do what I just said, you know, and they do it at every every level. Why? Why would you do that? Unprovoked. Well, if they can get away with it, they'll do it. That's what it seems like. It's like if they can get away with doing it, you know, like even the accounting on some of the, you know, not to mention streaming services, but, you know, artists have had to get lawyers to verify the counts on streaming. Yeah, they actually go and, and check it against BMI or check it against your, your self-publishing company, right? And then they find out that they're way off. And it's like, why are you even doing it? Why are you doing that? You know? And it's like, if I'm <laughs> you know, happy, like, you're going to be happy. You know what I mean? But it's like, like, I feel like if, if you give me my results, I'm going to keep yeah, coming yeah. here. Like, yeah. it's like, why would you just like, counteractive? Yeah, why, why do you try to skim? Yeah, why? Why is the skimming like, happening on an everybody. industry that's like, come on? He's like, I don't like. The, I mean, I, I, it's like if you're just patient and loyal. Yeah, yeah. There is literally, it's just time. It's just time that will tell how much you make as a collective, rather than being selfish and like trying to skim off the top quickly. Just oh fuck, let me just get my own. Well, it's just honor to me, like. People should people should be honorable. Yeah. Like if you if you're gonna get into a relationship exactly. with somebody and respect in a business, you should honor it and be honest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That's what I don't like about you know what's gone on in the industry. You always have to be careful because exactly. it seems to be there's people in it not for the art, and that's the problem. It's like you you really got to find people who are really like. Yeah. You're genuine and it, like really understand your art. Like as a musician, like it's really important that your yeah. people around read, you actually, actually understand article, where you're coming from. Recently about <laughs> like, of, like team members and all these things, and it was just saying that your manager should be your number one fan. Like, as in, if exactly, they should be able to. Like, yeah, yeah, should, they should be able to enjoy yeah. your music. Like, it shouldn't be just like, oh, okay, you're doing music. Discuss okay, your you music. This. All right, let's do this. It should be something whereby they see they see your dream, they see your vision, they understand you and where you're coming from, and they love your sound, you know. And that's something that I I normally wouldn't have thought about because I was thinking I was. They don't just think of it as a, yeah. Like, who knows the business aspect? Like yeah. who do I know that is, you know, business minded? But it really came down to like, okay, yes, they could be business business minded, but do they enjoy your music? Do they? Do they love it? Is it something that they can listen to without, like? Well, yeah. If they're passionate exactly. about it, they'll find ways to get it to where it needs to be. If you get the person to just thinking of it as a widget, you know, okay, well, you're thinking <laughs> of the same thing as like I'm the same as a box of cornflakes. You know, like what, like so. So I mean, you got if you are passionate about your music, you're gonna exactly. figure out. Oh, I, you maybe you could play here. Or maybe we could put yeah, like a, a sample into a magazine because this audience would 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 like it. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have be have more ideas, more passionate, yeah. and then they're gonna find ways to get you out there. Uh, but if they're just thinking it's like you're the widget of the day or you're the, you're the cornflake box of the day, it's like okay, you know maybe that's good for Madison Avenue, but that's you know you really want somebody that's gonna mm-hmm. gonna be that kind of. You know, exactly. advocate, and I think a lot like, of the you know great bands that there, got pushed or. I feel like your manager 
literally. Yeah, the great bands they got pushed. Yeah, exactly. They got pushed because they had people that loved them. You know, they there were people that exactly. loved that loved what they were doing, and they put them in front of people. You know that that you know Hendrix got put in front of the Monterey Pop Festival because like another musician, yeah. you know, like Chad Chandler yeah. from the Animals, found Hendrix in New York, brought brought him to New brought him to brought him to England, and they got him in front of like Paul McCartney and and uh, Keith, you know, Keith Richards and Jagger and got him playing at yeah. all these big clubs in, in London. And suddenly that really launched him. And he, and he had just been playing behind little Richard mm-hmm. and all these soul acts. And he wasn't going anywhere. And then soon as like the guy, another musician from the animals actually saw him and said, Hey, I think I can get you in front of more people. And he was just really passionate because he thought he had never heard anybody sound as good as Hendrix. And he like, this guy's got to get to a wider audience. And he just brought him there. Exactly. And um, that's know, the kind of passion you want somebody to have. But you know? I want to ask you a question. Um, where do you stand with, like, let's say, yeah. people that ha- their small circle, their team consists of family, mem- fam- family members and those that sort of outsource, like, non-family members? Or close friends, like how how do you where do you, what's your take on that? Well, I think well, I think family. Well, I think family members can have your best interest, but there have been situations where, like Beyonce's family, she had a fa- problem with her father. <laughs> so I mean, it kind of goes to your family dynamic. If you have a yeah. family dynamic where your family is, you know, not dysfunctional, and you've got you had a family where people aren't going to lie to you, then that's cool. But if you've got a family where there could be power dynamics that aren't healthy, then that's not cool. Because, but, but you know, it kind of, it's, so it's kind of like not one size fits all. It kind of depends on the, your situation with your family. If you've got a really cool family and everybody's telling the truth to each other, then, then that's probably going to work really well. But if you've got a problem where you've got like an uncle or a father or a cousin or somebody that's not being truthful – it can be just yeah. as damaging I've, as I've a bad actor that, that you didn't really, know. <laughs> like, tend to be extreme with it, like in the sense that they just, regardless of the family's intentions, they just don't feel like they should mix, you know, business and family. And then there are those that believe that. Yeah, exactly. Well, lawyers might tell you that. that. Like a lawyer uh, would tell you that. You can't have any, at least you have to have like one family member in there to look out for you, or something, some blood in there, like. Yeah, I think it's in the middle. I think it's always kind of in the middle. I think you should always have a lawyer. You should always have an accountant. Mm-hmm. You should have lawyers and accountants cross-checking stuff and telling you what's going on. And, and so, you know, so you always have some kind of outside people who are kind of like mm-hmm. gatekeepers, lawyers and accountants who are actually looking out for you. Mm-hmm. And then having an advocate, like a best friend or a family member that you really trust it's not bad. Almost yeah. every great musician had like a brother or the the cousin or the father or their mother somewhere in, in the mix. In, in my experience, supporting. I'm genuinely really um, And so it's not. I feel like there's there's just better. I feel like even just having my mom as my manager. I have um, a friend of mine that's one of my best friends. She's also like in my team, and it's just I don't know. It's kind of a, it may, they make it kind of safe. They make it very palatable, if that makes sense. Like everything that all the challenges yeah. come across. Yeah. 
I think if you if you feel safe with somebody, that's a good thing. Exactly. That's a, I mean, like if, the fact that you, you say you feel safe, that's a really good thing, because that's what you want, you know. Because you know, if you if there are some musicians that don't have good family and they kind of gotta get that safe place with a stranger, and it's hard. It's hard to get somebody who's not blood relations to have that kind of exactly. safe space, you know, because you never know what somebody's motivation is, you know. And family members, right. they, they, your blood, so the motivation is usually not in question. So, so that that's not a bad thing. It's just yeah, you know, I, there I are people that don't have good family structure. <laughs> so, 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 so if you have a family, that, you know, the Jackson Five had a problem, but the dad had some issues where you know he he actually maybe caused some harm to the family, and so yeah, you never know. Like it kind of depends on the structure of the family if it's you know all coming from a good place you know but it, mm-hmm. it's the case by case if you if you feel safe that's a good thing okay if you're not Actually, feeling safe like, then that's kind you of your first really warning your <laughs> you know, you know yeah. I, I, yeah i think your gut feel i think people have an innate gut feel and if you start getting a bad feel pay attention to it because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> usually your gut is usually right you know, and maybe you can't put your finger exactly. on it, but you like if you start feeling that way, you always pay attention to it. That's why I would say to any artist, like you start feeling something shady, you know, don't let it go. Go like you know, dive into it a little bit, you know, because it's real important. Because in the history of music, it's just like if you read all the history, it's it's a history where a lot of those people should have took those gut feelings because there's a lot of stuff that yeah. went on that wasn't cool. <laughs> but um. But it's great to have you on. This this podcast only goes to like seventy five minutes, but it's great to have you on. And we're cool thing about our podcast is we're on eleven podcast platforms. We are part of we are part of Spotify, so this will go on to Spotify Spotify's podcast platform. It will go on to ten other platforms, including Apple and Radio Public, Overcast, many many more. It's just going to kind of automatically publish on all those platforms right after I publish it. And we'll send you, we're going to send you the link to the Anchor version and to the, the Apple version that. and the I, Spotify I, I really, version. I want and, to thank uh, you for having me too because and it, it, you know, I literally left yeah. Instagram and I was just like, wow, this is a dope opportunity, you know, to just be able to converse with someone that I like completely don't know and he doesn't know me either. So it was very, thank you so much. It's my pleasure being on here. Well, yeah, that's it's I, it's my pleasure too because this is the way in lockdown. Yeah. Uh, as a musician, I get to talk to other musicians, and you know, yeah, not being able to tour, this is my way of still keeping a, a you know an outlet to, yeah. to talk to people about their music. And every musician's got a different sense of, of something. And it's really a learning experience for me. Every mm-hmm. artist I talk to is like a really big no, benefit for me. So thank you for being on the show. Okay, thank you. And we'll talk to you when you have another project. Okay, we we always bring people on. We've had people on four or five times. So like when you have thank another you big so project to push, it. we'll um, we'll have you I on think again. My next project would be I mean, minus the videos that I'm gonna be releasing from Passion. My next major pro- project would probably be early next year. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm working with I have a few collaborations in the in the works. And I'm just look. I don't know which one will drop first because I awesome. have like two separate projects, so either one is good. 
Okay. Go ahead, let us know. Yeah, let us know which one you want to push, and we can we can kind of set it up yeah. so it's around this time it All comes right, out, and we so can much. talk about it. It was it was it was great talking to you and just like getting to know. Okay, bye. Bye. Have a great day. Everything Well, this will be out in about an hour or less, and uh, you'll right, see it on all these platforms pretty soon. Thank you very much. This is Fam Electric Ghost, and I think this is a informative message for those of us who are financially challenged and need help making decisions. So, all potential home buyers uh, looking for refinance options need a tool to aid them with navigating finance, the financial wilderness of the mortgage industry. Now, Mortgage Calculator Info gives you a no pressure, no sales pressure opportunity to discover mortgage related finance topics from the comfort of your laptop or your smartphone. So if you go out to HTTPS um, colon forward slash forward slash www.mortgagecalculators.info and we'll, we'll actually have that link available. Um, again, I'll say it, HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www.mortgagecalculators.info. There are multiple calculators. Uh, there's a monthly payment calculator, minimum income requirement calculator, home loan limit, and a DTI to figure out your front end and back end debt to income ratios. That's more complicated once you get into this. Now, even though I own a home, um, if I'm looking into a tool that I use personally, it's the home loan limit calculator that allows me to see what it would take to trade up to a better home. So I think you should check out, you know, www.mortgagecalculators.info because magazines like Forbes and business channels like CNBC recommend that you take control of your finances. And the first step to get a better understanding of your mortgage knowledge with tools um, is, is going to a free site like this uh, to be able to look at it on your own time. And then from there, if you want to go deeper into financial analysis, you could always get an investment advisor. But it's good to kind of get yourself versed on tools like this that don't cost any money, allow you to check out you know, without any pressure uh, and do some analysis on your own. So you kind of, you're doing your homework before you go and make another decision. So it's the first step in that kind of path. So we encourage all of our PEG fans, uh, you know, musicians and artists and creators, we need to be smart about what we do for financing because we need to fund our projects. So being smart about your, your, um, your, your financial uh, portfolio is a good idea, even though it might not be something that you're, primarily interested in. And I think all of our fans could appreciate that as well. So thank you for listening to this little uh, informative statement and enjoy the rest of the program.